Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up the world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind, in your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marcia Joyce, and it is talking to you from freezing upstate New York. We are cold, but... We are going to welcome David Putnam, the author of The Sinister. This book is so good. Bruno Johnson and his wife Maria hiding in plain sight from the law as he heals one from a brutal outlaw motorcycle gang and the loss of his son. Bruno and his wife are ready to flee back to Costa Rica to rejoin their large family of rescued children when someone arrives and everything changes. Good morning, David, and how are you? And glad welcome to MJ Network. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm trying. <laughs> so, this Bruno Johnson is a, is a serial character. You have him all the time. Give us some background and why was he injured and why? And I think I've read every one of your books. And I'll read the rest of them too. Thank you. Um, Bruno Johnson uh, started out with the disposables. And the the tagline is, Bruno Johnson is an ex-con, ex-cop who rescues children from toxic homes in South Central Los Angeles. He couldn't do it when he was a cop, so now he goes outside the law to rescue the children. That was the the opening of the um, disposables. Then I wrote four books in current time, um, The Disposables, The Replacements, The Squandered, and then The Vanquished. And in The Vanquished, um, I... I, I brutalized Bruno pretty pretty badly. Um, mm-hmm. publisher, publisher said, you know, he's emotionally and physically broken. How are you going to bring him back from that? So I thought, yeah, you know, the publisher's right. So I decided to go back on book five, The Innocence, and write a prequel. So The Innocence is the first day. This is uh, 1988 instead of uh, current day. Uh, where, where Bruno, um, is, it's the first day as a detective. And someone knocks on his door, and he opens it, and it's a, his ex-partner, um, a female, well, uh, Sonia, and she hands him a child, and he didn't know that he had a child, and he has to raise mm. the child. Um, so that's the first day of work, and that's the innocence. Then um, I wrote uh, The Reckless, and what is the next one after that? Um, Heartless and Ruthless. Yeah, and those are all um, uh, prequels. So I wrote three, four, pre- four current day, four prequels, and then the sinister number nine is another current day. I go back to current day, and it, so what actually happens right after the vanquish, where I left Bruno uh, shot up and emotionally uh, broken, and um, it was from, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to. Tell you what happens in a vanquished. Bruno gets shot, and uh, Marie saves his life. And he, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the emotional thing is a big, is 
a big giveaway. Um, anyway, so the, the, the Sinister picks up in current day, and now I'm back. Um, the publisher picked up uh, Sinisters this year, and it just got a five-star, I mean, a star review out of Publishers Weekly, which, yay, um, that was really something for Bruno. Um, they just picked up uh, The Scorn, which comes out next year, which is current day, and then um, the next one after that, the Diabolic, is when I, I it's the first one where Bruno stays in Costa Rica. So in the other books, Bruno is in, hiding out in Costa Rica, and he goes back to the U.S. to do his um, to do the story. Um, the, the Diabolic will be the first one set in Costa Rica, and I just finished uh, the Scandalous. So there's three more books that are due to come out. Um, so I'm caught up until 2025. I'll be waiting. No, seriously. Everybody better be around by 2025. God. <laughs> so this this is, this was interesting because, you know, you get scared right away. He wants to go home. He can't. And they were hiding in isolation. And who comes? Why does this man, this man ask him to change his plans and not go home to Costa Rica? I would rather go home to Costa Rica, personally. Um. I try to keep the, uh, the, the the series tight, and in order to do that, I bring back reoccurring characters. Instead of creating new ones, I bring back uh, characters that are already there that the, that the readers are familiar with. And one of them is the um, assistant director for the FBI. Um, I can't think of his name. It's kind of early for me. Um, and he knocks on Bruno's door to tell him thank you for what happened what Bruno did in The Vanquished. Um, but there's an ulterior motive, and Marie immediately mm. sniffs it out. And um, the director's uh, granddaughter was kidnapped, and mm. the FBI fumbled the case, and there's no more leads, and uh, the, the director is disheartened, and he asked Bruno to go after the people that kidnapped and killed his granddaughter because his granddaughter could not be alive after all the time that has passed. So, um, and this is what kind of thing Bruno does. He's very good at it. Uh, he's street smart, and um, he doesn't follow the rules. Um, so the director knocks on the door, and Marie is very angry, and that's the start of The Sinister. Well, you know what? I like people that don't follow the rules, to be <laughs> honest. My, my dad my dad taught me that. He always said, if you want to know something, even if you have to break a rule, find out yourself, because no one's going to help you except you. So I, I agree with Bruno. So how does he plan to find this child, and where do you begin? It's like a needle in a haystack. So how did he find? Well, um, the... The FBI director at the end of the first chapter, it might have been the second chapter, because I was yeah. I scene sequence my stories. I'll put three mm-hmm. scenes in, in a row for a, a motivation, action, reaction for each uh, sequence. So at the end of that sequence, um, the director, his buddy, asked him, "How how are you going to go after? Are you going to interview this crook that we've already interviewed in jail? What are you going to do that's different?" And Bruno says, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm not going to be reading his rights." <laughs> Well, I won't be reading him his <laughs> rights. So that kind of gives thumbs up how Bruno works uh, in a nutshell. So he goes to the jail and uh, interviews someone involved in the kidnapping. And then um, 
he finds out that that person is no longer available, and he gets the cellmate for that person. And um, mm. then uh, the story yeah. takes off from there. You know, this is one of those books where I have to tell you that I got eye strain because, first of all, I love Ocean View Publishing because they print things with fin fonts that I could see. Seriously. Yeah. And, and second of all, when I sat down to read this, I go, wait a minute, this is I'm in trouble because I'm going to read it in less than two hours. I just sat down and read it, which is why Frank got eye strain, yes. And that that doesn't hasn't happened in a while because a lot of the books I've been getting, it's so sad. Yeah. And I won't, I won't write a negative review, but if I see something that I really don't like, like I did last week, I just told the author I'm not doing it because that's how oh. it doesn't happen. So tell us oh. about the money and the foil drop. And what about the nanny? Hmm. <laughs> um, the, uh, the FBI, uh, the grandson of the director, it's, he's the daughter, his daughter is married to you know, um, her husband, and they decide to give the million-dollar ransom, and they do a drop, and the drop is fumbled by the FBI because they don't catch the, the crook. They catch the wrong guy leaving the scene, pull him over, and uh, he was just a decoy. So now the money's gone, and the, cro- the crooks have the money, and there's no more contact about the granddaughter, so they think that the granddaughter is um, gone. So what makes Chulak think that they actually took Emily, that she's not alive? Well, because once the once the money is paid and the daughter yeah. is not returned, there's there's no reason for them to think that, that there's anything else that could happen. The nanny was kidnapped at the same time the granddaughter was. Yeah. That that is that is sad. That is sad because you know you never know. You just don't know. Right. In in these cases, but if he doesn't look. To find her one way or the other, you don't have closure either. So, yeah. who is Drago and why does he play a vital role? Uh, <clears throat> that's funny. That's a little bit of a long story. Um, Drago, that's okay. <laughs> Drago was, well, what, what happened was I, 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 I've been writing for since 1989, and wow. I tried writing everything to get published. I had four agents. I'm on my fifth agent now. And I had written 38 manuscripts when I sold um, the 30, 36th manuscript. And uh, as soon as I sold the disposables, I stopped writing 38, and I went. I wrote a um, sequel because I know mm. publishers like sequels because you build a fan base and readers really like the continuing series of a character. So in, in um, the replacements, I there I have. I, I put a bad guy in there, and his name was uh, Carl Drago. And mm. um, I took him after a real person I worked with, that I, I dealt with in my law enforcement career, um, mm. and his name was uh, James Lawless. And he had committed a number of murders, and he was the most heinous person that I had ever um, dealt with. He was tattooed from his chin down to his toes, every part Ooh. of his body. Yeah, and he had a... Uh, ram tattooed on his pelvic area. The horns were on a horn on each hip, and then the snout of the ram was his penis. He actually Ew, had that God. tattooed as well. So this guy was very bad. So when um, you're writing, when you write a novel, 
you can't have your character without any flaws. Your hero has to be flawed. And yeah. I, I give I give Bruno a lot of flaws. If he's not flawed, he turns into a caricature, and no one wants to um, read him. There's no conflict. So the same mm-hmm. thing goes with a bad guy. Uh, Draco was so famous. I wrote him just the way he was in real life that he turned into a caricature. So I had to give him flaws, and it's reversed from a hero. So I um, gave him a little bit of humanity. And what happened was that little bit of humanity was Marie, Bruno's mm-hmm. wife, um, yeah. befriending him and taming the, the wild beast. So I, liked, I, I didn't like this guy so much that in the third book, I killed him off. I killed Drago. Oh, so sad. And the, publish, and the publisher said, oh, we love this book, but um, we like Drago. We, want you to, we don't want you to kill him. So, <laughs> so I had to rewrite that. They, they told me that in December. I had to re- take Drago's death out and another plot line, and so between December and February, I rewrote um, the third book, and I did the whole book from scratch. I just kept the title squandered, and the publisher goes, oh, this is a great rewrite. Great rewrite. I kept the title, and <laughs> it's a totally new book, but in it, I, I resurrected Bru- uh, Drago, and Drago becomes um, Bruno's um, cohort in crime, well, in rescuing people. And Drago is an ex-biker who was an outlaw biker, mm-hmm. and, and they ostracized him, and he got angry. And now his life's work is to take down outlaw motorcycle gangs. And so that was kind of the topic of The Vanquished, which is uh, book four. So um, now I'm carrying Drago <clears throat> through all the books. And I've come to like him because I, I like I his like character. I like, I like the way he looked, views life and that he is very loyal to Marie, and hence he's loyal to um, Bruno. I, I like him. I, 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 wanna, I wish that, I won't tell you what author I'm interviewing on next month, but he killed off a main character, and oh. I'm still upset. Yeah, I don't know why he <laughs> did that. And it's his character that the main character um, needs, and for some reason he he just killed this person in the courtroom, and I go like, you didn't just do that. I read it three times to make sure I was right. I go, holy God. So I was not a happy girl when I read this, and I'm saying throughout the entire book, you want to cry. Because it was, I mean, he was, he was, he's someone that's needed in the book. It's sort right. of, not that it lost it, but it sort of lost something. Oh, it's too sad. So when he, what happens when he finds someone that could shed some light, and what happens to Eldridge and why? People are getting killed everywhere. Oh, see, now you're starting. You have to understand that that book is quite a few years back for me now. Oh, quite a few books back for me now. Um, I think Eldridge was the one that was killed in the jail. He was the, yeah. he was the one that was dropped off a tear in the jail. And so Bruno, That's right. goes, Bruno goes to um, his cellmate. And um, it's it's he's a, a white guy that was classified in the main jail and put with the Crips because he gets along with the Crips. But um, his name is, uh, I can't, his nickname is Whitey. Uh-huh. And I took him after a real live person, a person in real life who uh, made a career out of snitching on people on the outside. So this guy, cool. and you can look at this guy up in the LA Times, he was a big story. Uh, he would he would get caught doing something 
go to prison, and then he would get close to the most sensational crook in the jail. He would weasel his way in um, through oh, wow. ingratiating himself through the, the corrections officers until he was housed with the most sensational crook. And then he would get information from them, and then he would call the DA and trade his life, time that he got in, in jail for um, the information that he had. So that's what this guy was like. This was to fashion mm. after that guy. And so um, Whitey, Whitey was a cellmate of, of this uh, kidnapped suspect that the FBI had fumbled, and he got in close to him to get information. But um, Eldridge was killed to cut off the information flow to, uh, so no one could track the actual kidnappers. But um, Whitey is familiar with the street and the, and the Crips, so Bruno enlists his help against his will and takes him out of jail, and they go on some escapades through south-central Los Angeles looking for the kidnappers. That, that's amazing, though. I always wonder sometimes, how do they kill somebody in jail when there's supposedly guards and stuff and it still happens till today? It doesn't matter. That's so sad. And I mean, well, and then well, people, people, people kill themselves too. People don't understand how the jail works, and, and I, I wrote, mm -hmm. I wrote it in a book. Uh, I think it was The Vanquished, and a one fan mm -hmm. came up and said, because uh, I was the scene in the jail, um, mm -hmm. and, and the fan came up and said, "No, that can't happen that way. The jail doesn't work that way." Well, I worked the jail, so it was exactly you know, the way. It, 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 yeah, um, and what happens is the crooks. It's like a city, a, a, a city within a city. Um, it's concrete walls and bars, mm. and the crooks are in different modules. But during the day, the modules are open, and you get to move around. Um, they're not locked in their cells all day. And oh, then wow. they can leave the module um, for a bunch of different reasons, for going to, to eat, for um, a health medical reason, for a legal visit, for a regular visit. There's all, going to chapel. Um, going to commissary, there's all kinds of uh, reasons they can get out of their module. And then once they do, they'll travel throughout the jail. They, they're just walking around in their in their blue suits, and they're walking around free. And they go to other modules, and they commit, actually they commit rape, robbery, and murder. So it's <laughs> there are detectives in the jail working crimes within the jail because that's the way it's set up. And people think that, oh, no, you're safe because you're in an individual cell. And you're not. The, only thing that protects, the only thing that protects you is the classification. When you go into the jail, um, a deputy, hopefully somebody has a lot of knowledge, classifies you as a low mod or a high mod or a keep away, and then you're put in the correct place. That's really the only thing, the only way that keeps you safe. Um, and, and that's what happens in, um, in The Vanquished and in uh, the... Sinister, where Eldridge was dropped off the um, third pier right on his head. And that happened when my first week in the jail. Um, that's why I remember oh, wow. it. And, um, I put that in in the, because uh, I couldn't believe it either. I thought I was like everybody else. My first day walking into jail, I was kind of, I was shocked because there's 100 deputies, 110 deputies on duty um, for each shift. And there are thousands of crooks walking around, so we are we were greatly outnumbered in the jail. That's scary. And there's no cameras and stuff. They can't figure out who did it, or they just get away oh. with it. 
Well, the crooks don't really care about cameras, and they'll put they'll tie do rags over their face. And no, it's it's it, scary. And if you leave one module to go to the other module, and you're dressed the same way as everybody's dressed, they don't know. It, it, yeah, it's hard to figure out. And you, you shows know, you it, just it would, being in jail. You want to stay in your cell and hide the rest of the day and keep it locked. <laughs> Even that probably wouldn't help. Then who shows up out of nowhere, and how come? Oh, uh, that's because Marie wasn't um, happy about that. Yeah, um, I try to write. Uh, two to three plot lines, and so I'm juggling uh, the plot lines through scene sequencing um, in the book. And the the sinister, uh, the plot line is uh, Bruno meeting his mother for the first time. And, um, and in backstory, uh, Bruno, Bruno's mother, uh, I don't know what book did I put that in? I think it was in The, the Heartless or The Ruthless. I do backstory on uh, Bruno's mother, how, um, in, in Xander's point of view, Bruno's dad, and Bruno's mother wants to live the life, the high life, and she wants to break out of uh, her ghetto life. So yeah. she it falls in with some bad characters, and um, they commit a robbery. And the robbery comes off okay with the with the, the victim just getting clonked on the head, and they're enjoying the the booty that they take uh, from the victim in a motel room and then the two people that she's with gets greedy and they kill each other and um bruno the bruno's mother goes home to xander and tells him what happens and xander has the horrible decision to make that either um, shelter his wife his young wife or turn her over to the police so he decides to, to, for the safety of Bruno, um, she turns him over. She turns his wife over to the police, and she goes to prison for the felony murder rule, where somebody is killed during the commission of a crime. Wow! So, so she just gets plugged into the justice system, and Xander never sees her again, and Bruno never sees his mom. So, in the sinister, that that's all backstory. In the sinister, he comes mm. back to the hotel after. Um, roaming L.A. looking for the kidnappers and finds that finds his mom that he never met sitting in the hotel room. That was just that was a shock treatment. I wasn't sure that I really like her though, not really. So, <laughs> why does he he faces a lot of obstacles? But you see, what I like about him is that Bruno has his own brand of justice. That, that's why he's so unique and so different. So who are the thugs behind the money, and how does he finish them? How does he work with them, you know, decide? How does he find them, and what, 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 where, is it, where Emily is? Who are these thugs, and he thinks that they're going to help him? They're not going to help him. Oh, now you see you're, you're getting a little deeper into the book. Let me, let me see. That just proves uh, I read it. People, <laughs> I know, I know, but um, like I said, that book is. I'm on four books further on uh -huh. now, and uh, and that's the book that's not as fresh in my mind. Um, so your specific questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Elder I can figure. Now I have a Whitey. different one. Okay. Okay. Um, who's Helen, and why does he? How how is how's her way of handling the situation going to make them as a partner and a pair? Uh, Helen is a, is a sharp, 
a female character, Helen Hellinger. Yeah. Um, and I put her in there because I have to continually raise obstacles in front of Bruno. And yeah. she is the detective who's assigned to the murder inside the jail of Eldridge. So her, her case is separate from Bruno. Bruno doesn't care about Eldridge, but she's there when um, Whitey flips. And so she goes along with um, Bruno on his escapade looking for um, uh, the, the, the crooks that killed Eldridge because they're linked to the kidnapping because Eldridge was killed because of the kidnapping. Um, and she's um, a very heads-up L.A. County Sheriff's deputy, and Bruno is masquerading as a fake FBI agent. He, Bruno is wanted um, for a string of felonies, of for kidnapped, uh, kidnappings, robberies, murders um, that are are wrong for him to do, but they're morally right for the for the reasons that he did them. So he's, he was hiding down in Costa Rica, and mm. he comes back um, to to do this kidnapping. So if the law finds out about it, him, he's going to go to prison for life. Mm. So now he's working um, shoulder to shoulder with this L.A. County Sheriff's deputy. Well, she uncovers his um, motive and who he is, and um, instead of taking him to jail, she has a big ask for him. And mm-hmm. the uh, L.A. County Sheriff's deputy has a niece who's in a very bad place, and she says, mm-hmm. um, you help me get my niece out, and uh, we will we'll go our separate ways. And so they so that's a, a, the secondary, well, it's actually the tertiary plot. The first plot is the kidnap. The secondary plot is the mother. And the tertiary plot is um, uh, the, the deputy getting rescuing the, the child. Well, what bothers me is this. I really think that Bruno needs some extra health insurance and somebody to take <laughs> care of him because he's always getting hurt. It's just this yeah. poor guy gets hurt all the time, and I go like, would you please leave my guy alone? He's going to polarize you. So <laughs> yeah. this there's an well, issue in this book because, because of these kids. So how can human trafficking, how did that come to play in this one? Um, well, that that's, if I talk about that, that'll give away the ending of the book. Which oh, is no, we can't do that. Ending. Yeah. Um, when, when I started writing the books, because I had not sold one, um, and people read for emotions, and conflict is emotions, so... I decided to write about something that was most emotional for me, and that is dealing with um, abused, uh, exploited yeah. children. And um, I tell people that about the book, and they say, "Oh, I don't want to read. I don't want to read about that." Well, I put that offset. Offset. That doesn't happen in the books. Um, it's usually offset, and um, it's the aftermath. And Bruno's trying to clean it up. That's the way I can get away with it. But in all of my books, I put. Um, real-life situations or things that I was actually involved in. So mm. each book is a, is a snapshot of my career. Uh, like the, the Innocence is about Bruno's first day as a detective. Well, that's mm. my time working the street as a narcotic detective in South Central Los Angeles. The um, Reckless is when I was working bank robbery. I was following bank robbers around. So I use real scenarios that I was actually involved in. The Reckless... Uh, is one that's particularly uh, uh, emotional for me because it's about uh, a dep- detective that gets killed in the line of duty, and he was a good friend of mine. And uh, I put mm. that in there. And, 
and I was actually writing the book. I get up every morning and write the book, and I change the name of the character. And um, when I start writing every morning, I go back 20 pages and I work forward editing. I write four new pages, and then every, so I'm going back constantly on my work. And I go, I get up and start going back editing, and I'd find that I used the my real friend's name. I'd actually subconsciously mm. substituted his name while I was writing the book. So that book has a lot of uh, emotion. That, that that's what makes your book so real because you use real life incidents. So when I read a lot of these books, and you know I've read too many of them, a lot of times I'll say, "There's no way that could happen." Well, that's totally out of context. That doesn't that doesn't happen. But I'm I, I'm going to get my I got to get my niece to read your books because she's going into criminal justice. Oh yeah. Yes. And yeah, she, she's nineteen. Is, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, nowadays, it's really difficult. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to do it nowadays. But the heartless is is my time where I was working narcotics, uh, major major narcotics out of an airport interdiction team, mm-hmm. and some crooks did an organized escape out of out of our jail. They went into visiting with a Black and Decker cordless um, drills and drilled out a visiting window. And six homicide I think I read suspects, that. Six homicide suspects escape out that window, and they call me back because I was I particularly uh, my 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 forte was fugitive hunting. Um, oh God! And that's another one where um, somebody came up to me and said that could never happen like that. And it's, it's funny because I wrote it just the way it happened. Um, so sometimes life is truer than fiction. Do you have, do you ever get asked to consult in any cases for the FBI? Well, for them, I know my cousin is an oil, famous oil surgeon. Unfortunately, he's a paraplegic. He's in a you know assisted living, but they call him to you know on difficult dental dental cases. Do they call you sometimes to to, to discuss a case so no, that you can help we, them figure we, it out? I was on an FBI team um, mm-hmm. where they cross swore us as U.S. Marshals, so we can be. Of feds on a on an integrated team, and um, it was a lot of fun. But um, we didn't work the same way as the FBI works, and uh, we parted ways on <clears throat> on bad terms. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, they actually made some accusations that uh, were investigated, and I was eventually exonerated. So I was angry about the whole thing, and so was my captain. So I asked the captain. I said. Um, I want to embarrass the FBI, so I went after the ten most wanted on the FBI list, and I, I, I caught oh, God. I caught three of the ten most wanted before my captain said, "Okay, that's enough," and pulled me back. Um, so no, the FBI would not, <laughs> and that's not the way it works anyway. Um, the, 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 that's the scary. Latest and the greatest is what's working in the streets, and they're they have the most uh, current. Uh, information and training, so no, I, mm. I'm a I'm a dinosaur now. Well, I have a student that just became a police officer, and each day I look check to see that he's okay. I ask his mom because she was my student, so I worry because he's in the Bronx where I grew up, oh, and man. my my cousin is in uh, on the island, and he's been in the a police officer for quite some time. I just get nervous, especially listening to those two police officers that got killed the other day in Harlem. Over oh, domestic dispute, that was right. that was so you know it was really weird because um, I turned on Channel 12 and I wound up watching Jason Rivera's funeral. 
I just sat there and I just listened and I was so sad. And I said, you know, I didn't even know him. By the time I got done, I felt like I did know him. Right. And I sat there for now and I'm watching his funeral. Go like, I don't, I don't know what. It, it was just so he honored in, in St. Patrick's Cathedral. So you created, this won't give anything away, people. You created Bruno Johnson. How do you take this character from the first book to this one and keep him in a series that everybody wants to read him and doesn't say, like I do sometimes, oh, it's just another plot with the same character. Please spare me the pain. That's not the way. That, how do you do that? Well, I've read, um, I read quite extensively, and I've always been an, a voracious reader uh, from, mm-hmm. from like age 10. So I read series, and <clears throat> some authors don't keep the series fresh enough, um, yeah. in my opinion, because they continually use the same tropes. The, they'll put the, the family in jeopardy or, or yeah. the same, they just turn the, the, the same story around. Well, I try to take um, a story and do it differently. Like The Sinister is a kidnapping book, but you wouldn't, it's just not a regular kidnapping book because of the way it happens. It is yeah. kind of a, uh, I flip it on its ear. And I enjoy doing that kind of thing. And I think I can only, only reason I can do that is because my experience in law enforcement. So the Sinister, if you think it's a regular kidnapping book, it's not. And there are some it's surprises not. in there, um, what happens in that book. And I, I'm, I, was, I enjoy writing them because I don't know what's going to happen. I know I do scene sequencing because I have the three plot lines. And I, don't, I just know the three plot lines. I don't know what's going to happen in those plot lines. So I just start scene sequencing, jumping plot line to plot line. I'll do three scenes, three scenes, three scenes, two scenes, and come back and forth across that um, that uh, backbone of the book. And as I go, I'm really enjoying it because um, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like reading a great a, a book that I'm really enjoying because I'm the one that's writing it. That that is good because if you don't enjoy what you're writing. There's no point, right. and I won't tell him. But the ending of this book is well, wow! I said like, oh really? And yeah. Most of the time, what's really scary is I figure out the ending before it happens. This one was like, oh my God, this is um, this is amazing, and that's all I'm going to yeah. say because there are a lot of people listening, and um, I'm going to um, check something out tomorrow. And the girl in the office wants the book. She has okay. a book club and she reads a lot, so. That's the only time she. Um, only time she talks to me is about books. We don't talk about anything else because we don't care. But yeah. the the um, I, I send my books out to beta readers to see if I'm on on track, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I I try to get them to people that don't know Bruno or that are not necessarily friends. So I'm getting a, a true feedback. And two male beta readers said um, independently. That they teared up mm-hmm. at the end. That, that, that the ending teared. They, they got a tear in their eyes um, over it. And the other was Whitey. They thought that Whitey was such a vivid character that everybody really mm-hmm. enjoyed Whitey. And Waldo. Waldo is uh, a character that people like so much that I'm carrying him on. Now he he, he actually has now become a main character mm-hmm. in the in the next three books. He he has the same weight. He carries the same weight as a main character in the next three books. Well, I give my books to my UPS guy, to Wiz. Oh. He, yeah, I'm serious. He reads everything. He reads your stuff too. He's gonna, well, he's gonna want this also, because yeah. this way he brings my book to the door. 
nice. Because the post office has been sleeping. He brings them to my door, and for that I exchange books. So for Christmas, I bought him several books by some some of you because that's what I did. And he reads them, and he that's it's great. The post office doesn't yeah. bring anything. I was so excited today. I finally got two books for two of my interviews. So how did you decide on the title, The Sinister, and how did you decide on the cover? Who chooses that? The um, the the first the first cover on the disposables. They the publishers are just a great publisher. I mean, they are so easy to work with. Um, mm-hmm. They asked me for my opinion of of how we should do the first cover. Uh, and we, I told them that my my what my vision would be for the cover, and they put us on a three way phone call with the publisher, my wife and I, and and the cover guy, and um, I told him my vision about having uh, a dark night with headlights on a, on a wall, and the graffiti um, depicts what happens mm. in the book. And um, at the end, everybody goes, yeah, that's a great idea. So I asked the cover guy, I said, are you going to um, do some uh, covers of, of that, um, that, that idea and send them to me? He goes, no, why don't you do some, um, take some photos and, and send them to me? So I thought, yeah. why not? You know, I, I still maintain a little bit of control. So my wife is very artistic, and um, I drew up on a piece of paper what I thought the graffiti should look like because the graffiti um, has to do with what happens in the story. And she went out and painted the side of her house um, and with the graffiti, gang graffiti. And then we waited for dark, and we put the headlights on it, and we mm. shot it. And so the first cover was the cover of our side of our house with graffiti on it. Um, and there's, we, put, we staged it with some kids' toys and things in front of it. Um, mm. And then the next book, we did the same thing. But then um, something happened in the third book. The, the cover guy uh, fell down a little bit, and we got delayed, and we got slapped together. And so the third cover was not what anybody wanted. Um, and they ch- decided... They did a survey, and they found that um, the Bruno books are most read, are most popular with women um, 50 years and older. So that that was my uh, my audience. So from the third book, third book on, they decided to brand the covers, and they got a new cover guy. And I think they're doing a marvelous job of the covers. So. Um, the, the, the this cover is book. really nice. I know what I could see it. It's really nice. It's yeah, dark. Yeah. It's a city. It's like yeah, it's yeah, just it, the title, the sinister. But the cover is so dark that you begin to wonder what's going to happen when I walk outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm very it's pleased nice. with the, with the covers. And so now they've gone back and rebranded. So the hard covers of the first three are the same, but the paperback mm-hmm. of the first three are with the branding covers. So if you click on if you go to a site and you click on the hardcover, you'll see one cover. And you click on a paperback, you'll see the cover that is the branding cover for the whole series. I think I have it on my phone because I have to post your review later when I come home. Because that's my job is to do everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, this one says a brand Bruno Johnson. Um, I think this is the the paperback. I'm not sure. I clicked on it so that I could put it in. You with your review. That's if my computer will cooperate. And 
I just have to pray that the, the, it didn't disappear. I, I type things, and all of a sudden, I type. I, I save your computer, your review about thirty times because sometimes my computer makes my reviews disappear. I don't know okay. why. It's huh. scary. So, the title, the sinister. Just that title gives you the, the chills. How did you? Yeah. Do, do you decide the title or not? And I interviewed somebody the other day in one of my panel shows who said that he wrote the ending of a book, and then the publisher told him they wouldn't publish it unless he changed the ending. I mean that that's not fair. Then he wrote it, wrote two books, so one with the ending he liked, and one with the other one. And the one he wrote was better than the other one because I read them both. So how did how did you create how do you create the title for the book, The Sinister? Just just when I heard it, I go like I gotta find out what that means. Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah, um, they're one word titles, and um, it's, mm-hmm. they're all. Um, I, I think of the title before I even start writing a book because I want mm-hmm. the theme and have it in my mind. Um, so, no, the publisher has not changed my titles. Well, the very first book, they changed the title because they did, they thought it sounded too much like a romance, and it was called uh, The Other Side of Forever. Um, yeah. And so they, they asked me, they didn't say, um, this is the title we want. They just said, we don't like this one because it's too much like a romance. They said, send us five um, uh, ideas, and so we sent them um, five ideas. I told them what, which one I liked the best, which was the disposables, and they're very easy to get along with. Like I said, and they said, okay, disposables. So then, from then on, I have I've had I've titled every one of my books, and, and replacements is because the kids were replaced, you know, and the squandered mm-hmm. was because they were wasting things, you know. So yeah. the, um, the only one that. I had trouble with was the squandered, which I had to rewrite, and then the um, the reckless. And because I was too close to that book, I know it now. But mm-hmm. um, I built up my partner in order for in order for mm-hmm. the reader to have the emotion. You have to have the motivation, the action, and the reaction. Mm-hmm. So I put too much motivation in the killing of my friend. Um, because I wanted the reader to know him very well before the actual mm-hmm. action happened, and and then hit there, the reader's reaction would be more have more depth. But the publisher they specialize in thrillers, and because I was writing a mystery con- construct on mm-hmm. on the first part for the motivation, um, they they said we love this story, we love this book, um, we're going to buy it, but we want you to cut the first hundred pages, and that was like oh god. What? Yeah, exactly. And so the first 100 pages was right where I shifted from the mystery construct back to a thriller construct. And they spotted mm. that without knowing um, that's what, what I had done. They just said, we don't like this first part. Get rid of it. And so I had to rewrite in a thriller structure. And it actually, for a thriller, it turned out to be a better book. I don't mm. know if it would have been more emotional in fact, I know it would have been more emotional if I would have left it in a mystery. But it's not; they're not mysteries that the publisher's publishing. They're thrillers. So it became a much better thriller because of their um, their direction. Well, you're lucky you had direction because I had a direction for my last book, Population Zero, and I asked for you know content and stuff like that. They didn't do many. They didn't help me. So I've got some oh, mixed no. reviews, some some really good ones and some. The other day, some girl wrote, "This isn't worth buying it on Amazon," but you didn't understand what I wrote it. Population right. Zero, World Without People, was just worlds I created that are horrendous. 
so bad right. that you wouldn't want to live in a world that was dark, without sun, that was full of ice. I did it on purpose to make you appreciate the world we live in now. It had nothing to do with the virus. It's just because right. people have changed in this. So before I forget, Thursday, watch out. He's coming. Brian Friedman, who took over the Jason Bourne series, is coming with the Ursulina. And if you get scared, listen anyway. On the 8th, we have the author of Playing Possum, Lois Schmidt. On the 10th, this is a very powerful story. Stella Tearheart wrote a story about her family getting persecuted in the Holocaust, and she's got pictures of the family and what happened to them. It was really sad. And on the 15th, somebody we all know and love, John Land, the murderer at the CDC. And on the 17th, someone else we all love, Matrimony, Mayhem, and Murder, the Fiona Quinn, Cindy McDonald will be here. And that's just part of February, but we must not forget February 23rd, John Gilstrap, Blue Fire. book is phenomenal. There's, there's a whole bunch coming. And next month we've got Andrea Kane and Philip Margolin and a whole bunch more. And my show's booked till August 4th. So if anybody needs an interview, now's the time to tell me. So how, how does Chulak, how does how did Bruno put this all together at the end? How does he finally figure out what happened without saying what happened? How does he create the, the pieces in his mind? That's hard to do. I didn't know how he was going to solve it because I don't, I don't figure that far ahead. I don't plot. Um, uh-huh. So I, I, I would just write the the, story, the each scene with um, the five things that a scene needs, and when I do that, I, it forces me to add those five things as I go. And that kind of tells me what I need to do. And um, the I wanted Marie to take a part in it because she's yeah. Bruno's partner. And Marie actually figures out the second half of this of the of the conflict. And right at the end of the book, she goes, "Wait a minute!" And um, I really liked it that that Marie solved it. You know, um, the publisher because I'm so far ahead, the publisher will only take one book from me. Um, each year, so I'm I'm up till mm-hmm. 2025. So I write two books a year. So I sold another series, and the first book in the next series is coming mm-hmm. out in July, and it's called A Fearsome Moonlight Black. And oh, well, I gotta get that. You have to send it to me. Yes, I will. And the first half of the book um, is my first year as a cop, and I wrote it just the way it happened. Oh, um, nice. In, in real- in real life, and then the second half, the last scene in the first half, I, is fiction, and I link it to the second half. And the second half is half mm. real, half fiction. And so, in mm. um, in the moonlight, blood looks black. Um, in the moonlight, so it, the book mm. is called the Fear, a fearsome moonlight black. And I'm I'm really happy with the book came out, and um, I will definitely let you know. So, I'm working on a second book in a series. They gave me a three book contract. And I've got, um, and so I'll be, I'll be, I'm since I'm ahead of the, uh, the Bruno series. I'll be writing these books now and getting them out every July. That that is, that is really good. I know that Dick Belsky just got a three contract for Dana Perry series, and I have to keep who, track who of what, everybody's. What? Yeah, he writes under a different name, a Dana Perry oh. series, and he writes about a cop of a homicide cop and a reporter. But I like Claire Carlson; she's one of my people. So, okay. what about Marie? Would Marie get her own book? Would you ever just do one where she's the main character? 
The main I have um, notes for um, a. Everybody loves Xander, um, Bruno Johnson's uh, father. Yeah. And I, I have, I started writing um, a, a, a breakaway uh, book um, with Xander, but I, I mm-hmm. could write one in Marie, but a female character. You know, it's hard yeah. for me because I'm a I'm a dude. Would be hard for me to get right. <laughs> I think, you know, um, I I I I think I get Marie right now because of their interplay. The people like the way mm-hmm. Bruno and Marie talk to each other. They have mm. great um, um, talking. And Marie is actually taken from my wife Mary. Uh-huh. Marie, I love Mary. And some of the conversations that Marie and Bruno have are the same conversations. Mm-hmm. I take it right from what happened with us. So um, we are kind of a, uh, a fiery couple. <laughs> well, she's a great manager. She's got you. She's got Mary and Brian Cleveland's got Marsha. I have me. Unfortunately, the person <laughs> that was helping me the most, my sister, died a few years ago mysteriously. Oh, no. Nobody will. Nobody looked into it like I. They wanted to. Um, it was really mysterious, and yeah, she used to help me. She used to edit my used to edit my books and tell me how bad I was. What can I say? So the the yeah. one of my nieces, the one going for criminal justice, is my new um, editor. After I sent it to the editor, I sent it to Katie Rose because she she you know does everything. And if I have to write an essay for one of them, she fixes that too. So you know that's what you get for asking me to write something. So who are you gonna? Who else are you gonna bring back? In the next one, you are going to bring Jago back, right? And what about yes. Chulak? Is he done? Was he coming back too? Uh, uh, Chulak is in the, in the next couple of books, but only because he's in the U.S. and Bruno uh-huh. calls him for for help, advice over the phone, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the the next book, well, now wait a minute, because I'm so far ahead. The next book is oh, the that's Scorn. Amazing. The Scorn is. Oh, the I next, like that title. The Scorn is the next one. The last one that happens in the U.S. Um, then after that, um, the, the diabolical is is the next one that happens in is only, it happens only in um, Costa Rica, and then the scandalous also happens in Costa Rica, and that was something new for me because I don't live mm. in Costa Rica and it's it's, it's something it's a new territory for me. But in the scorned, um, Bruno mm. goes back one final time to the U.S. And it mm. is a it is a wild ride on this one. Um, and Drago is back, and so is Waldo in um, The Scorned. <clears throat> what about the kids in Costa Rica? Do you bring them out when you write the next one in Costa Rica? Do we get to know them? Because there's one yes. I know that when they are, I'd love to get to know them. I dealt with, I taught for a very long time in, this, in a bad area in the Bronx. I never had a problem, and I'm little. And if I even suspected child abuse and a lot of times I did I was right and you know it's hard because you don't want to come up against a parent when you when you right. call you know BCW or you call the guidance counselor and you say I know that this child's been coming in with bruises I think the worst one was when a father walked in and said did you see my 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 daughter's arm I burnt it because she did the wrong thing I said turn around and look who's behind you I I was yeah. like livid and I had called 911 before I even walked in. <laughs> I was like, I was scared. I was like, oh, my God. He, the little girl said, my father did that to me uh, because he felt like, and this is a kid that was not a discipline problem. She was a sweetheart. The father was nuts. 
So you have to, it, it's scary. You have to report it. And sometimes you just feel guilty, but I was never wrong. So you never right. know. So yeah, um, that, that's scary. In, in, Working with abuse is hard. In, in the, uh, the the Costa Rica books, the two Costa Rica books that are, mm. that are completed now, um, the children play a very have a very prominent part because oh, Bruno is living in Costa Rica. He's not going to the U.S., um, so the kids have to play a prominent part. Um, and I, I think the books are a little bit softer because of it, um, because the children are in there mm. um, helping Bruno solve his problems and his conflicts, and I think they're better books for it, too. Well, how did he decide to do this, to save these children before we end? How does he decide that he was going to do that? I think it's amazing that he's doing something, because these are not his kids, but he becomes they become like parents to these children. Well, the, the genesis of, of the first book, and it's the backstory that I wrote, mm-hmm. is Marie is a physician's assistant, mm-hmm. and the the backstory is Bruno comes in to the hospital one night and he's shot in the butt um, by his ex part by his ex partner who ran Bruno down because uh, Bruno was wanted for killing his son in law because his son in law had abused mm-hmm. his grandson twin and so Bruno is just totally um, devastated and Marie uh, helps Bruno in the hospital that night and then she she feels a link with Bruno. So she goes and looks to see how the, the surviving twin is living, and the people are not taking care of the twin, and the twin mm-hmm. walks out of the house, you know, four years old, and um, is out on the parkway almost in the street. Uh, Marie just pulls up in her car, grabs a kid, and takes off. It was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. And then when mm-hmm. Bruno gets out, he finds that this physician's assistant, this fiery um, <clears throat> uh, a Puerto Rican woman, has saved his grandson so what marie doing her job in the hospital sees just like you did these other children who have no chance yeah. at all and the, and the social system is, is breaking down and they're falling through the oh, cracks yeah. so so marie says we got it we got to save this one too and that's how it started and then they, then they say the next one and say the next one and so the first book starts when i think they have six children that are corralled and being hit in the south central Los Angeles, and the father, uh, Xander, is watching over them while Bruno prepares to flee with everybody to Costa Rica. That's the first book. And then every succeeding book, Bruno rescues more children. So where do we find out more about you and your work before we end? Uh, on my website, davidputnambooks.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Goodreads. I'm very active on Goodreads. Um, and you friend me on Goodreads and look at my reviews. I I do reviews on most books that uh, oh, all good. books that I read, and I, I I don't review them as a reader. I break them down as an author, and I'm getting great reactions from um, readers because I, nobody else is doing that. And they said, well, they would say, well, I've never looked at it that way before, and so <clears throat> I'm getting so many hits that the big five publishers are sending me books to review now. I've like been getting them to too. That. I know how you feel. I, I got yeah. two this morning, and sometimes I don't even know I'm getting them. I got Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child's book. I read it last week, uh, Diablo oh, yeah. Mesa. You you want to read it because it's yeah, very controversial. Books. It's different. Yeah, it's a Nora Kelly, uh, Corey, Corey Swanson. It's not a Pentecost, right. which makes it it's much better. Let me tell you. Um, 
I've been getting them, and sometimes I just don't know. I'm waiting for Mark Greeny's book. They put me on the list for that also. I don't know. I never know when I was on the list. I think the greatest compliment I got two weeks ago was they sent me out of nowhere, Lightning in the Mirror by Janie Ann Krantz. And oh, she's nice. coming on in, yeah, she's coming on in April. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, you <laughs> don't know. And to get them from the t- big publishers is a compliment. It's really great. Yeah. So yeah. thank so, you so much. Um, just let me know when the next one's coming out. Of course, I started my my shows for August, believe it or not. I, I already <laughs> booked one. So if you need another interview, let me know. Tell Mary, let me know. This is interesting. Everybody, make sure that you buy all of the series of Bruno Johnson. Start from the beginning, read them, and then read them again. So, David, <laughs> thank you so much. And I would appreciate it if people would send me some sun and some heat because it's very cold here. I'm, Thank you I don't know what the temperature is now. Yeah, it is now. Oh my God! It went up to 30. It's a heat wave, people. <laughs> so everybody have a great day. Um, everybody, if everyone would do an act of kindness for every somebody every single day, then maybe the virus would take a hike and realize we don't want you. You're not. You're not positive. We don't need you anymore. And everybody, yes. stay safe and bye. Bye-bye.